Chapter Three, Section Four of A Defense of Idealism by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Three: Some Ultimate Questions of Psychology, Section Four. These are positively all the factors that the strict parallelist is justified in taking into account if his lines are to remain strictly parallel and if point-for-point point correspondence is to be perfect the diagram is absurd but it is beautifully simple as on any theory of rigid parallelism it is bound to be you will notice that interaction is inexorably barred there is no bridge to or from the causal physical process on the one side to the psychic teleological process on the other you will also notice that no teleological action has taken place it need not take place because neural process a has led directly to the accomplishment of movement b and it cannot take place because clearly movement b is accomplished on the physical line and there is no means of transferring it to the psychic line so the parallelist must either give up his teleology or agreeing that teleological action has taken place he must admit that it has contributed to an effect the movement accomplished on the physical line in which case he gives up his parallelism and goes over to the theory of interaction i do not want to complicate this problem unnecessarily but if we introduce the factor of time and we cannot ignore it some very odd consequences will follow for we have not forgotten that on the two lines of physical and teleological causation what is last in the physical series as effect appears first in the psychic series as cause i am not trying to circumvent parallelism by arguing that an action accomplished is identical with an action designed and that consequently the same thing besides existing both as the cause and the effect of itself must exist as cause at the same instant of time when as effect it has not yet come into existence for there is no reason why the same thing should not behave as cause and effect respectively at different instants of time and it is quite impossible to establish point-for-point point correspondence of the series of instants in time with the series of physical and psychic events so as to force the conclusion that the time of those different behaviours is the same i suggest none of these absurdities on the contrary in spite of that diagram i would insist that action physically accomplished and action as purpose or end are two separate events divided it may be by a long period of time and by many intervening processes of which one event invisible incalculable psychic most truly determines the other which is visible calculable and physical inasmuch as the inner event is the one factor without which the outer event would not have happened and i would suggest that this being so it is not the antecedent neural process but the antecedent psychic process that is the prime causal factor but to return to the case of professor thorndyke's cat there were other psychic factors not represented on that diagram which cannot be ignored what has happened in the case of professor thorndyke's cat 
the cat has received his pleasant sense impression of the milk outside his cage he has hit on the lucky means of escape and established a pleasant memory of the beneficial result after a few experiments which he makes himself a connection but what connection is established between a the sense impression of the milk and b the movement which unlatches the door so that in future sense impression a is instantly followed by movement b now besides these two terms there stands on the psychic line a third term c the cat's pleasure or satisfaction his pleasure and his pleasant memory are really two terms or if we count repetitions they are as many as you like but for the purpose of the problem they may be taken as one this third term is of supreme importance in determining b it not b the movement itself is the real final cause the motive purpose or end of b for the pleasure or satisfaction of drinking milk is that for which the cat makes his experiments and his successful movement but though the psychic event c will no doubt be represented on the physical line by some point of neural change c on the parallelist hypothesis c again must be a superfluous and impertinent interloper since the sense impression and the memory of a the sight of the saucer of milk or rather its representative neural change a is sufficient to bring about the movement b by nervous discharges along a path of least resistance going direct that is to say without psychic intervention from a to b direct because the question is not of the neural reflexes naturally involved but of psychophysical interaction so direct is it in this sense that given strict correspondence the process on the psychic line each term accompanied if you like by its meaningless note of neural change ought to stand a to b without any intermediary c the cat's pleasure which by the way has grown by repetition from one more or less simple sensation to a perfect pile of memories and anticipations of pleasure the cat's pleasure so immensely important and personal to him counts for nothing in the parallelist programme though to the cat and to his master it must rank as the chief actor in the psychic drama if it comes to that is it can it really be the chief actor or even the chief motive power behind the cat's movement is his memory and before it his anticipation of pleasure so that even if we count the sensation and the memory and the anticipation as one determinant the psychic plot thickens before our eyes and if we are really to do justice to the whole action we must assume a fourth factor d the cat's desire eliminate his desire and his whole behaviour becomes meaningless his pleasure is meaningless his movement is meaningless he might just as well keep quiet in his cage true he would not desire the milk if he had no pleasure in it it is equally true however that he would have no pleasure in it if he did not desire it and the peculiarity of this factor of desire is this that it does not enter the series as a single member of the series a b c or d but is present to each member of the series a d b d c d and to the whole in a way in which they are not present to each other for instance he desires his pleasure and he desires the movement which is his means to his pleasure but he has no pleasure in the movement itself 
his desire saturates his sense impression a of the saucer of milk and his pleasure c and his memory and anticipation of pleasure and it is surely the true causal determinant of his movement b and if you say the parallelist is bound to say it since he is committed to the teleological view of the series a b c if you say and insist that his desire d is determined by his pleasure c which thus appears as the final cause of the movement b still you cannot eliminate the factor of desire without doing violence to the whole series with which it is so intimately platted up i think therefore you are driven to acknowledge it not as the final cause for pleasure fills up that role quite adequately and not as the immediate working cause for that is a complicated affair of nervous discharges and muscular tissues but as the determinant of or ruling causal factor in the movement b then you have got as clear a case of that trespass which is interaction as the animus could well desire and the parallelist dilemma stands thus if he was justified in regarding the series a to b which stands for the neural lines of least resistance representing habit association and habit memory if he is justified in regarding this series as sufficiently determining b he is obliged to ignore the obviously existing psychic factors of pleasure and desire determinants of series a to b but as in any case on his own showing it must have been sense impression a that started the whole business some form of causation other than the teleological has surreptitiously crept in on the psychic line contrary to the sacred law laid down by himself in the beginning for clearly without the psychic intervention of the original sense impression a the precise and particular fact we are considering though possible would not have been actually accomplished so that in the most elementary process of psychophysical life his rule which forbids interaction has been broken if on the other hand he acknowledges as he is bound to do the existence of the psychic factors pleasure and desire he will find one of them desire breaking loose obstreperously from the teleological line and invading again the causal side as determinant of the movement b in this case he has to add to his embarrassment a whole psychic series within a to b in which c and d stand as the chief factors a whole psychic series for which it would be hard to find point for point correspondence on this physical line parallelism therefore breaks down badly in three places its law which demands correspondence breaks down and its law which forbids cross-correspondence breaks down and its law which distinguishes between causal and teleological lines breaks down and a better diagram of the real situation would stand thus you have there a vision of the entire collapse of the most obvious crumpling and buckling and cross-cutting of the lines while the animist has established a sort of ascending spiral as his image i must not father this image on mr mcdougall but i think it is justified by the ensemble of the process and yet we have not got farther than the simple psychology of professor thorndyke's cat imagine then what a diagram would look like that attempted to represent the higher psychic processes of man 
the complex play of many motives determining one of many actions seem to be possible and desirable the conflict between desire and will the element of choice the will darting like a shuttle to and fro among all those infinite threads and weaving them to its own pattern add to this the emotions saturating the web with their own colours and consider that you have not yet allowed for the intellectual fabric different and distinct from this play of action and emotion and desire yet hardly distinguishable so close is the psychic web so intricate the pattern when you come to the work of the adult human intelligence we do not yet know enough about animal intelligence to say with any certainty what goes on there to even such an apparently simple operation as the perception of an object in space and of its relation to other objects in space it is even more obvious that you are no longer dealing with a series alone but with a synthesis add to this what is inseparable from it the perception of change of the succession of events in time and your synthesis will be a synthesis of successions and juxtapositions or contemporaneous existences in which events will be perceived as moving one after another and all together against a complex background of objects immobile in space add to this the mere perception of their innumerable relations and to this the higher operations of the intellect the innumerable concepts involved in the most elementary process of acquiring knowledge and you get a series of syntheses and the synthesis of this series add the operations of judgment and of reasoning inseparably bound up with this process then abstract these operations from the process and examine them you will find not only that they follow a certain fixed order of their own the laws of inductive and deductive logic but that yet another operation has crept in analysis and that these syntheses so laboriously built up in consciousness are in consciousness dissolved and broken up in order that new syntheses new combinations associations and arrangements may be formed this is wundt's principle of the creative resultants with a vengeance as mr mcdougall points out with that one rash word creative wundt gives the whole show of psychophysical parallelism away and i do not think it is unfair to hold him to it there is no wriggling out of the awkward position it has created for him and if we are offered our choice between parallelism and interaction i can see no grounds for hesitation parallelism is a sort of psychological bookkeeping by double entry under such conditions that the values on whose constancy the integrity of the result depends change not only between the dates of invoice and account but with every separate item in the ledger so that the parallelist books never really balance whereas the interactionist allows for every fluctuation in the values while equally pledged to the austerity and sanctity of bookkeeping now i think the fact of psychophysical interaction is fairly demonstrated but so far from giving us the metaphysical security we are seeking it leaves that side of the problem as much as ever in the dark psychology suggests the ultimate questions it cannot answer we cannot strike a balance of interactions and say whether physical or psychic action tips the scale we do not know how far psychic action can modify the order of physical events 
there are certain long established not to say invariable sequences such as the course of the stars and the formation of water from the union of h two o with which we are pretty sure it cannot interfere you can persuade a plant or an animal to breed and grow the way you want it within certain strictly defined and very important limits but you cannot force a single particle of inorganic matter to behave contrary to its pre-established habit still there are certain physical alterations that you can effect you can dam back the tides and divert the course of rivers you can change the outward appearance of the habitable globe by merely displacing things on its surface you can turn steam into a cylinder so as to drive an engine you can so regulate a current of electricity or an explosion of petrol as to make them do the same thing so that if a diagram could be drawn showing the physical results of the psychic processes of a few enterprising individuals it might not equal our imaginary psychic diagram in complexity but it would be a very imposing and intricate affair shut up a puppy by himself in your study when he is teething or let loose a speculative builder over a square mile of virgin wood and field and observe the change their psychic processes will effect in the order and integrity of material objects in twenty minutes the puppy has gnawed the backs off your books and worried the hearth-rug to shreds stained the carpet by upsetting the ink over it and having eaten the best part of your manuscript he is about to change its chemical composition when you find him at his work in a year's time the builder has caused the virgin wood to disappear and has covered the fields with streets of houses which show in outward forms of conglomerated bricks and mortar the inner hideousness of his soul true the puppy and the builder have been obliged to use physical machinery to achieve these physical results pitting one set of physical forces and one arrangement of molecules against another still all this continuous construction and destruction has involved continuous psychic effort so that all along the series there will be innumerable points where the physical processes are no longer traceable and the psychic processes come into play but when we try to estimate the proportion of psychic effort to physical result we find we are dealing with incommensurables so many bricks laid so many psychic processes involved in the laying of each we can count the bricks but we cannot count the psychic processes neither can we gauge the intensity of the psychic state at each moment of the process and so far we have only been dealing with one side of the total operation with extension and the displacement and rearrangement of objects in space when we come to time all possible correspondence ceases you can measure the time taken to lay each brick and calculate from it the number of months it will take to complete the entire scheme of the estate but you cannot measure the time of the psychic processes for the simple reason that those processes are more than processes they are syntheses and with them we are brought back once more to the unity of consciousness and we are once more driven to ask number one is there any unity outside our consciousness that corresponds with this unity within it number two if so is that unity also a unity of consciousness or rather is there anything in that unity from which we may infer that where it is there is consciousness number three is there anything in both unities from which we may infer an ultimate unity 
once more the long round that we have fetched by way of biology and psychology has landed us in ultimate questions of metaphysics end of chapter three recording by expatriate in bangor maine